When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Gerald and Charlene Gallego of the Terrace get together. Sean, do you know who Gerald and Charlene Gallego are? No, this is the this is the point of the podcast where I tell you that I don't know who this uh, duo is that you've You've told me about... They were two American serial killers and rapists who were mainly active in Sacramento, California between 1978 and 1980. They murdered at least 11 victims, mostly teenagers, and often kept them as sex slaves before killing them. <laughs> this, this, this feels like one of your darker ones. Yeah, certainly not a couple to be trifled with anyway. How did they, how did, how did they select their targets? I don't know, I didn't read that far down on Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I normally expect you to be more thorough than this. No, so, sorry. I mean, it's like ideally they'd all be funny ones, like it's the major Charles Ingram and Diana Ingram of the Terrace, but we've used that one in the past. I was going to use the Les and Janice Battersby of the Terrace, but I've got a feeling I've used that one in the past as well. The more this joke goes on, the harder it comes to selecting names, and, and therefore you've you got to become a, a wee bit niche with them. So I've gone for um, American serial killers from the, the 70s and 80s. Okay, well, fair play. But I, I think they got caught and, and got their, their, their comeuppance. Yes, they, they were, they, they've both been destroyed. Like a, like a bull- <laughs> like a bully XL attacking someone at a petrol station, they've been destroyed. <laughs> oh, thank goodness for that. No longer, a, no longer a danger to the public. Yes, definitely. And unlike the Gallegos, we are not going to keep you, the listener, as a sex slave, but we are going to keep you company for the next hour or so. And, and Sean and I are just really going to have a nice long chat about lower league Scottish football. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we 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 picked a few games. Mm-hmm. They, they they weren't the most exciting in oh. terms of the three games, but we've, 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 there's other things that we can discuss. Yeah, I mean, th- this podcast is like a half three game podcast, half grab bag, and and we're kind of not sure what it is. But once I figure out, I'll be heading straight to the patent office. I really, Sean, I I've got a lot on this week. You and I both have a lot on this week. I felt as though yeah. I had to come back and step in and and really save the lower league podcast after the. The state it got into over the past fortnight, you disappear for a couple of weeks and it falls totally <laughs> into disrepute. I listened to last week's show and had a laugh at the start when Tory was introducing everyone, but afterwards it was just like like Donald Trump in a 2016 presidential election going, wrong, 
wrong. Apparently, the Montrose wingers called Brad Lyons. Xander Murray's still playing for Bonnie Rig Rose Athletic. <laughs> Listen, we we got Murray. Was it Murray Aitken's uh, position wrong uh, in the in the preview podcast? So we, 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 even we don't get everything. No, right. Not having that, man. Not having that. There was a lot of work that went into that, and we were allowed the one mistake. But when you're talking about <coughs> three games, you should really be a bit more thorough than that. And it was it was mostly Craig Fowler, just so brazen and assured and confident in his own opinions, but so breathtakingly wrong. You know, he reminded me of, you know, Darren Grimes, that little twink from GB News. <laughs> it was just a really startling performance from the big man. So that's, I've decided I'm, I'm, I'm so busy, but I'm going to, I'm going to come in and, and, and save the day. As I've got in my notes here, I'm, I'm here to talk about lower league Scottish football and chew bubblegum and I'm all out of bubblegum. Uh, was that, is that from They Live, Rowdy Ruddy Piper? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, I, I, I kind of, I, an enjoyably nonsense film. Hi, Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper was in some pretty like, like daft movies in the the eighties and nineties. But he was he, he bags of charisma, so that's how he was able to to carry it. What was the one? It's something to do. With, does it have the 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 word Frog Town in the title? I've no idea. Right, okay, that, that 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 sounded. I've not seen it. It sounds very bad. But you're right. He is a, a man with bags of charisma. Well, we might as well. Hell comes to Frog Town. Is that the name that's of the movie? It? Yes, it is. <laughs> Yes, it is. It's uh, like it's described. Uh, the film is set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where few fertile men and women exist due to atomic fallout. Uh, right. As a result, the government places a high priority on those who can still breed. Shortly before the movie opens, a group of mutant amphibians, brackets, who have been exiled to the desert by humans, close brackets, capture a group of fertile women and are using them as sex slaves. My goodness, the theme of this podcast really seems to be sex slaves. I just remember the uh, I just remember the the, the front of the, the video case uh, when I used to go to the video shop when I was very young. It's very striking. It's Rowdy Roddy Piper standing holding a weapon. A woman is crouched on her knees with her arm wrapped around his thigh, and then these giant uh, frogs just uh, flanking him, <laughs> and a very very large one in the background. Well, you can you, well that's that's why I've never forgotten it. No, it's certainly 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 memorable. Certainly memorable. Almost as memorable as the season that Wraith Rovers are having this season. Yes, managed to managed to link that in there and finally bring in the football. Yes, as Sean mentioned, we're going to be talking about a number of games and this is by some distance the most exciting out of the lot of them. This is this is the match at the top of the championship with second versus first as Wraith Rovers took on Dundee United and it finished in a 1-1 stalemate. Lewis Vaughan continued his prolific start to the season but his goal was cancelled out midway through the second half by a Louis Moult header. No change at the top of the table. Sean, you were there, part of the bumper crowd that were at Starks Park. Unspool your brain. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I don't know if I learned anything that I didn't already like expect would happen this season. I, I think Dungeon United have Dungeon United have the best team. They will probably still win the league. I think Wraith Rovers look like a pretty decent outfit. I think they, at the very least, should be setting their sights and to to be the I suppose the best of the rest. But I mean, there, as much as there wasn't. A lot of football played, like a big crowd. It felt like it felt like an occasion. Yeah. It was tense, and and I, as much as it wasn't, a, it wasn't a classic. But I still, I still really enjoyed. It. I suppose like the whole kind of sense of the occasion. It was good to be. It was good to be involved in it. Yeah, look, I mean, you say it wasn't a good game. I've only watched the highlights from this match, and it did look quite entertaining. It looked like both teams had chances to win. Kevin Dabrowski was called into action, made a couple of saves, diving down to push shots past the post. Dundee United. Looked as though they were trying to play like football quite quickly, and and, and mm-hmm. but Rovers were certainly holding their own. They could have won it with some of the chances they had 
uh, later on in the match. It, it looked like a, a knockabout match, but the, the highlights, perhaps what you're saying, aren't representative of the match itself. I mean, I mean, I still enjoyed it, but it was—I suppose it was more patchy than uh, okay. than necessarily enjoy enjoyable from like the, the first minute to the last. I, the, what I would say is, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the the opinion that it was. Well, no, I would agree with the opinion it's a game of two halves. But the the consensus seems to be that Wraith were the better team in the first half, Dundee United were the better team in the second half. I would I would agree with the second point. I actually thought that. The first half was was pretty even. I'd like I know Wraith were, were a goal to the good. Neither goalkeeper was really called into action other than the other than the Rovers goal. I, w- I was quite disappointed in in Dundee United. Wraith held them at bay, but I thought it was I thought it was pretty even. I thought it was pretty even. I, I, to a degree, I thought Rovers were a wee bit fortunate to to, to go in a, a a goal up, considered what had, how the game had kind of played out for the maybe. First half hour of the second half, I would say Dun United are clearly the better team. They certainly moved up a gear when when Louis Moult uh, came on. Mm. Oddly though, at full time, I kind of felt a wee bit frustrated. And that was only because when, I think because Declan Gallagher went off, he went off about the 80th minute. I think he picked up a bit of a knock. And at that point, that's when the momentum of the game for that final kind of 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was, it was the first time at Rovers probably had sustained pressure. And as much as Dubrovsky had a good save with the last kick of the ball, I kind of felt there was a wee bit more in the game potentially for, for Wraith Rovers, maybe uh, potentially turning that, that, that kind of one point into, into three. But I, ultimately, I got the impression that both clubs were, were reasonably happy with a, with a point. What do you make of Vaughn's goal? From watching the highlights, it looked like an absolutely abject piece of defending. From I think it was Liam Grimshaw that was playing it at right fullback, or certainly he was one that looked like he was mar- supposed to be marking Lewis Vaughn when that ball's chucked into the box, but there's no one around him. He's able to get a, a free header on goal, hits the post, and then comes back out to him, and he's allowed to finish to put the team one up. But there was no pressure on him at all. It, it looked as though that the Dundee United defence was about sixes and sevens at that point when that attack took place. So, I mean, Vaughn had Vaughn initially had so much room. He kind of popped up between Grimshaw and Declan Gallagher. But even when he popped the header in and struck the post, Grimshaw and Declan Gallagher seemed to be looking at each other. And I must admit, I, yeah. I, would, I would have said that Grimshaw needed to react. But it felt like they might have just had a wee bit time to react. Like maybe they didn't have enough time to, to get there in time. I, I, I'm not sure. But nobody does react, and then it's Vaughn that that, that kind of that, yeah. that gets a shot off. So, so yeah. Poor defending. It was it was the only time in that first half that Rovers kind of caused Dungeon United too much trouble. Albeit by the same token, Dungeon United didn't cause them too much bother in the in the first half either. And a very well taken goal from Louis Moult to pull level in the maybe through the second half. A corner came in, flicked on to him, and just a, a bullet header from about six yards. Yeah, I, I must admit, as soon as Moult came on, I I was concerned. Put it that way. When the when the lineups were announced there was a hope that Keith Watson would make it at centre-half for Wraith Rovers that, that wasn't the case Scott Brown was again kind of trusted in the centre-half position and, and moved back from where he would normally be sitting in front of the back four I actually thought Scott Brown done okay Tony Watt was clearly trying to take advantage of him in terms of obviously Scott Brown isn't a centre-half I, I think he mm. fills in capably but obviously Watt had been said right well you you kind of play off Brown, and and you'll probably be able to. There'll, there'll be there'll be something there for you. There'll be there'll be advantages and 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 
opportunities for you. That actually didn't come to pass. I actually thought Brown done okay. I've had to watch the goal a few times. I think it actually is Gallagher that gets a flick on at the near post. I think it's Brown actually that, that is actually found wanting, but that's probably the only time that he was at fault. And he doesn't do too much wrong. But regardless, like Malt is alive and nobody else. Yeah. Uh, nobody I- else is. Like, I, the same as yourself Sean I watched that goal back a couple of times and, and a lot of time you lose a goal from a set piece you kind of look at the faults in the team mm-hmm. was somebody not picking someone up was someone lose a bit of concentration there I don't think that's the case I think that when it's like a, a second ball like that and what I mean is there's been a, there's been one pass not a passage of play there's been one action followed by a second action with something like that that flick on can can throw people off balance and especially if it's a position that you're you're asking you're asking Scott Brown to come up against the best attacker mm, of the yep. ball on the pitch there. That's always a big ask, and it's just it's a very well taken goal. And yeah, I, I don't think I don't I don't think there's anyone you can you can blame for that well worked goal. And it, it reminded me a bit I mean of, um, and I'm saying this probably because this is the only time we'll get to mention this in podcast. So it reminds me of one of Terry Christie's routines with Stennis Muir, <laughs> sort of the ones from the from the mid nineties where it was a ball played into the near post and just flicked on. And I think think Stenny got a, a lot of joy from that. So maybe Jim Goodwin's been talking to the erstwhile greatest part time manager the country's ever produced. Who knows? But I mean, do you think we've learned anything about the sides from this match? Any conclusions that we can make about either of them? Was it just that? As you say, both teams were seemed content with a share of the spoils. What, in terms of what I learned, I was I, I probably wasn't as impressed by Dungeon United as I, as I thought I might be. Certainly in terms, certainly before Moat came on, I didn't think they troubled Wraith that much. And when Gallagher went off, and I think it was Ross Graham that came on, they, they certainly looked a, bit, a good bit weaker at the back. So in, in terms of United this season, like I know there's been comments from oh Jim Spence, I think on Friday night said oh, he uh, he he said that he asked the question, which is an interesting way to frame it, as if like therefore because he says I'm asking myself, can United go the season unbeaten? Almost like well you kind of pick him up on it if they do because he's just asking a question rather than making the statement. I don't know. I. I wasn't. I wasn't. Spence. I wasn't impressed by Dun United as much as I imagine I thought putting my headlock. I mean, say, imagine putting my headlock in Wanderer in Burkhill. <laughs> Sorry, Sean, you were you were saying there. That's okay. You you you, That's you, okay. you 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 enjoy Jim Spence. You were talking about how much you enjoy him as a person and a pundit and a, a political commentator. No, no, I was just saying that he had. He talks he, common sense. Spence he, talks sense. It, it posited the question if Dungeon United could go the season unbeaten. I don't think they will. I I wasn't overly impressed by them. I I don't even think they're as good as the. The last United team that got promoted from this mm. division, bear in mind that had, I don't know, Seagrest in goals and Shankland up front. That team was better and that team didn't go unbeaten. I, I think that they are, bear in mind that they made a lot of their, when they were doing a lot of their recruitment in the summer, guys like Ross Doherty and, uh, I'm trying to think who else who brought in. Kevin uh, Holt. Kevin Holt, yeah, you're right. Players that are good championship players. Bear in mind when they came down, they were a poor premiership side. I do think that Gallagher and Malt, of course, elevate them. But when they're yeah. not there, and, and Gallagher did go off with a knock, Malt came on while recovering from a knock. That really takes them down like a, a massive, massive degree. So there is there is something there for other teams in that division to, to, to aim for. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily rule out Wraith Rovers. I wouldn't necessarily rule out Patrick Thistle. But I ultimately, Dungeon United have the best team. Whether tactically... 
Jim Goodwin has a lot going on there other than we have the best team and I think we'll win every week. I'm not entirely sure, but I wasn't as impressed by Dungeon United as I thought I would be. And in terms of Wraith Rovers, what I'm maybe confirmed is they look like they they could very much be the the, the best of the rest. And that would ultimately be, if that is the case, then you, you can only put that down as a, a success come season's end. That's very good. Sorry, just, we're recording this podcast by video. So Craig Fellow wants to record this podcast by video. I haven't washed my hair since the weekend. I'm washing it tomorrow. I, I, I look fucking shit. I'm just, I'm catching a glimpse of my reflection. I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying with my ears, but looking at my face with my eyes, and I just look dreadful. So I should have, I should have prefaced this, that entire podcast by saying that. I wouldn't say, sorry, sorry. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say you look dreadful. Nah, I just, I'm beginning to look run down. I've, I'm, I've got a, a, the T zone and my, my cheeks are just, I'm, I'm getting just bad skin. I need to go and see a dermatologist. If there's anyone who can recommend a dermatologist, I'm going to imagine most of the people listening to this podcast have all got horrendous skin and problems with acne. <laughs> So if you know a good dermatologist, please get in touch with myself and Sean. Well, certainly just, Sean's got great skin, actually. Leave Sean out of it. Come to me directly and, I, I could and pass, pass, pass I could, on the details. I, I could pass information on to yourself, though, if you want to come directly to me. I can I can pass them to, to, to yourself. Really? Oh, perfect. Then, 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 then please do send me a WhatsApp as soon as, soon as we finish recording. Yeah, no worries. I was going to I was going, sorry, just I, I got um, very, very like, much like Narcissus. I mean, that's where the, the, the term narcissism comes from. He was... Um, distracted by his own reflection and end up falling headfirst into a pond the big divvy uh, but I was going to ask about Kevin Dabrowski because there was a Patreon podcast recorded with I think Andy Harrow was talking about Andy Harrow I think Tony Anderson might be been Robert Borthwick they were talking about players that were on the fence about players that you can't quite make up your mind about going by the highlights again Dabrowski looked like he had a pretty good game here some really important saves not that he was massively taxed in the match but good strong saves to push the ball down for for, for corner kicks and blocks, I mean, what did you make his performance? Have you have you warmed towards him a bit more? I, I I think I have. He had in terms of Saturday, he had he probably had three saves that that stuck out. I, I do think that he makes the routine. He has a style about him that makes the routine look very good. Mm-hmm. I, I do think he makes the most of saves. I, I thought that two of the the, the saves that he made. I would expect them to make. He had one from close range. I think Dungeon United had just equalised at a time. Uh, I think it was one all, and he had one from close range that was excellent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a, that was a smashing uh, save. That yeah, was, that was a, a, really a very good very good save. But I don't think that's ever been an issue with, with Kevin Dubrovsky. I think his uh, save making skills and his reactions are, are tremendous. The, the issues are: is he willing to leave his line? Is he willing to catch a ball? Even when he's not under pressure, is he willing to catch a ball? He would far rather punch it. There was a couple of examples on on Saturday when there was there was deliveries into the box that he did come and claim, and that is quite unusual for him. So whether that's something that the Rovers are, are working on, like I know, like he's no young in terms of a, a football player. He's he's twenty five. He doesn't have a lot of experience in terms yeah, of yeah, playing yeah. games. So you would imagine they're attempting to work on it. I, I know Robbie Thompson is is, a, is apparently a very good goalkeeping coach. So they won't. It's not as if they won't be aware of it, and, and they will be working on it. But aye, tentative signs that that maybe the, in terms of commanding his area, that there might be tentative signs that that's that's improving. No, that was good. Good. I'm pl- pleased to pleased to hear. It seems to be improving. Pleased that Wraith Rovers did well. And on top of that, Sean, it just it looked like obviously both goals came down at Dundee United's end. But when when Louis Moult scored. The, the scenes there looked brilliant and then particularly just the scenes around the ground it looked like 
both sets of supporters were just like really up for it. Aye, no, I, I, no, I agree. You're, you're absolutely right. And but I suppose there is like Wraith is a, a, like a reasonably small ground. Mm. But the fact that there was whatever it was, I, I can't remember, was it six thousand eight hundred or whatever. That's really good. Like the capacity isn't much more than that. So when you can when you can fill it, then it does it does produce an atmosphere. The, the problem is, and I, I've always said this about Starts Park, for the vast majority of the time, it's slightly too big for what they need. So if you bring two thousand or two and a half thousand, there's even been points this season where there's they've, they've had just over three thousand, but it still feels as exactly as it is. It's a half empty stadium, so it's, sometimes it's difficult to to generate an atmosphere. But no, that that wasn't the case on Saturday, and it was just ah, no, it was good to be a part of. Ah, good, good, pleased to hear it. On top of that, I just want to praise Wraith Rovers' highlights package. Excellent stuff, just excellent stuff, like proper 4K, multiple angles. You get a really good feel for the match. Just, aye, really, really good stuff, really good stuff. But we'll talk about, we've talked about the match that you went to at the weekend, or <laughs> unfortunately, talk about the match that I went to at the weekend. And there really isn't much to say about this one, but we might as well discuss it because I was there and it's an, an, another talking point. If you were at the match at the top of the championship, I went to the match at the bottom, well, certainly towards the bottom of the championship. This was Queen's Park's 0-0 draw with Greenock Morton and Hamden. It was a game between two very out-of-form teams. It was Queen's Park's first point in six matches. Meanwhile, it was Morton's sixth point of the whole season. I chose to go to this one because I was working in the morning and into the afternoon. I wasn't able to go to Elgin versus Dennis Weary, although that was postponed anyway. That was postponed about half past eight in the morning. But nevertheless, I went to Hamden because I wanted to wanted to just get a, a look at the teams that I've again only really watched the highlights packages, and yeah, this this was not good. This wasn't great. No, and and you pretty much realised that instantly when you watched the highlights, which lasted. I can't remember if I watched. Can't remember if I clicked on Morton's highlights or, or Queens Park. Whatever one lasted five minutes and fifteen seconds is what I clicked on. And the very first footage is of a free kick <laughs> that, that drifts harmlessly out of play. And I was like, my yes. goodness, they, they are already having to, to come up with filler, even though only last five minutes. It, it, looked, yeah. it looked atrocious. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest and say, I've been to poorer games. I have been to poorer games. But just this one, this just felt very, very flat. And I'm, I'm not sure, sure what, what it is. It's like, I... There just feels like a bit of a malaise about Queen's Park at the moment. And I'm not sure if it was because of the team's poor form, if it was because of the weather. I mean, it was a it was dreadful weather. There was talk that even some of the Morton fans weren't able to travel because there was no trains running from Inverclyde to Glasgow. Morton players weren't able weren't, weren't able to travel. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. Morton, Morton were only able to list like three substitutes, two outfield substitutes in, in, in that match. And they had players like Ian Wilson had to play at right back for the for the match. He's nominally a central midfielder. I'm not sure it was because it was back at Hamden. And I'm what I'm, I'm trying to say, having been to see Queen's Park play at Hamden in the old days, I'm talking about their, their amateur days, there was something quite fun about that. I can't quite put my finger on what it was. It was I think it might have been the, the sort of like, what on earth is uh, an amateur part-time team doing playing at one of the best stadiums in the country? There was There was a novelty to that. And that just wasn't there this time around. And it was... It was like cold and it was wet. I remember taking my seat. It was wet. I'd, I'd sat in sat in wet like water. So I had a, a, a wet backside for for parts of the game. On, on the way in, you get scanned by someone with a metal detector, and just it doesn't that doesn't create a good impression at all. And it's just I, I just kind of thinking it was cold. It was it just wasn't nice. The football was poor. 
the the sort of the first impression you get going into the ground were poor, and it just really feels like bleh at the moment with Queen's Park. I, I mean, I'm presuming you don't know the the answer to this question, but or, or maybe you do. Maybe maybe you asked the question when you went in. Bear in mind, I've been to Hamden, I don't know, dozens of times for Scotland games. I've never, I've never had a metal detector run over my body. Why, why did they decide that that was necessary for for Queens Park Morton? No idea, no idea. I'll, I'll be honest and say the old boy that was that was um, scanning me. You ever seen that video of the the, the <laughs> steward down in England? And it's like the guy just sort of like he just basically doesn't even touch <laughs> the guy. Sort of puts his hands across his shoulders to the side and, and waves him in. I mean, it was that degree of enthusiasm in which I was patted down there. So it wasn't very vigorous, but nevertheless, it just it doesn't create a good impression and it it puts you on the back foot a little bit. Like you feel, you feel as though you've you're you're being treated like this because you've done something wrong and that's not the that's not the case and particularly in such a low stakes encounter where it is like 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 Queen's Park and Morton who I mean, both sets of supporters hardly renowned for their, their violence in the terraces it's just it's just not great it's just, just not great it, it, it kind of adds to this whole thing about Queen's Park the season where it, it just feels like A the fans aren't being listened to and B They've been treated quite quite shabbily, and I'm, in fact, yeah. I'm saying this season it, it's been going on longer than that. Yeah, I, I was reading about the fact that they have a it's like a kind of supporters bar, but it has pretty much no kind of semblance of like when you walk in, there's no kind of semblance of Queen's Park, but it being a kind of Queen's yeah. Park social club of any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I, you're absolutely correct. I I didn't do that. Instead, I I got there quite early. I went to Greg's and ate it in my car. So it was a real yeah, a, a sort of real like my wife's chucked me out the house and I'm just trying to figure out my next move sort of vibe that I was given off on, on Saturday afternoon. So I ate my Greg's in the car, so I didn't go into the Queen's Park Social Club. It did cross my mind, however, and I have read those comments from supporters in Pie and Bovril that like, identity is such a big thing and we've spoken about it on previous podcasts that, that, that Queen's Park really have a, a unique identity compared to the rest of the clubs in Scotland. And I do appreciate that you're that you're, you're, you have to change with the times like Queen's Park have changed a, a lot and they ha- have to change because of the, the nature of Scottish football the trap door opening at the bottom of, of League 2 and there was a real worry they would they would get left behind so they have had to change but you can change in a way that's organic and you take everyone with you all, along the journey and that hasn't been the case and I was thinking not to mention Stenhouse Muir again but I mean you go to the wee bar at Oak Cove you, you've been there a couple yeah. of times you walk through that door you get a, a real sense that this is for Stenhouse Muir supporters. It is covered in football pennants from games that have taken place at Oakleview, from friendly matches that the Warriors have had, like in the Scottish Cup or whatever. Pictures of the promotion in 2009, the, the promotion in 2018. Photographs on the wall of like like Sean Higgins and Sean Dixon celebrating scoring the equaliser against Rangers at Ibrox in 2014. So you get a real sense, this is Stenhouse Muir, this is for fans. And for Queen's Park, who have probably got a richer history than than, than Stenish Muir. Scottish Cup winners, of course. Like, like I mean, they, they must have won league titles as well. I mean, long time ago, right enough, but still part of history. Why would you not want to celebrate that, embrace that, and have all this stuff up on the walls and say, look at all the amazing things that this football team's done? I don't I don't understand it. And and again, if I was a fan going into a bar that's, that's soulless, it just happens to be next to the ground where you're playing, could be anywhere, waved down by stewards like with a metal detector, Aye, not great. I, 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 and I, I just, I don't understand it in terms of it's like there are, in, in terms of common sense, in terms of when you try and run a club, surely the majority of the decisions that you make, the fans, 
essentially need to be at the heart of it. And yeah. if you're not doing that, then fans and the support base are going to get pissed off. And it very much feels like the Queen's Park are, are in that position. And whereas they were kind of doing similar things last season, I suppose, as well. Mm. Fans were getting pissed off at what was happening off the park. However, they were still, you had so much success on the park. I mean, they were 45 minutes, I was going to say 90 minutes, or 45 minutes away, potentially from promotion to the, the top tier. It doesn't feel like they have, they're anywhere near that kind of level this season. So it, it feels like there's issues uh, on the park, off the park. I suppose, I suppose it's a, a, a kind of perfect storm. Well, that's probably a good opportunity to talk about the, the the match itself. And we'll start by talking about Queen's Park. And you can, what I would describe this Queen's Park team as like, and 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 just follow me here. It's like, you ever looked at koi carp in a garden pond? Uh, I think so. Right. And you know, when you just look down, it, it's just like fish swimming about in a pond. But when the light catches it in the right way, it can look absolutely magnificent. <laughs> that's what Queen's Park remind me of. But in a way, it's like the football is largely poor. It's, it's quite cautious. It's quite safety first. They try to play football in the quote-unquote right way. But it is, it's a, just a bit sterile. But occasionally, there'll be a, a couple of nice passing. The ball's quickly brought up field and Dom Thomas does something and a really good ball's put in. I mean, there's a chance there, I think, Rudy Payton hit the post at, at, at one point. They'd had, had, and at that point, you think, this, you can see what they're trying to do. It just doesn't happen often enough. The best player in the park by by miles, streets ahead of everyone else, was Jack Thompson. He was excellent in midfield. Anytime, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, anytime he got the ball, there was just a drive and dynamism and wanted to carry the team forward. And anytime he got in possession, he really felt like something was going to happen. But he was taken off with about 20 minutes to go. And, and I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I'd spoken to... At the, the end of the match, I spoke very briefly to Keith McAllister, who appeared on a VT with a view for the terrace about Queen's Park's transition. Yep. He'd been following the Spiders for about, I think it's nearly 45 years he's been following Queen's Park. I spoke to him briefly at the end and I said, why, why did they take Thompson off? And he was like, no idea, no idea. Robin Velman seems to think he can only last like 60, 70 minutes off he comes. And when he went off, you just think, well, they're not, they don't have that drive. Even guys like, like Dom Thomas, Barry Hepburn, flitted and out the match, Rudy Payton hit the post but didn't really have much of an impression other than that they really miss they really miss Simon Murray they really miss Simon Murray having it's, it's almost like 12 months that I've been for my the, the visits I've been to Hamden I've been there I think it was December uh, last year when they played Hamilton Ackies were 4-0 up at half time absolutely blitzed them in a 15 minute spell and Simon Murray was incredible during that period and if they had someone like Simon Murray in the team that can just stretch defences and just through sheer force of will if they had someone like that in their team I think they would benefit massively from it, but unfortunately they don't, and the whole team looks looks weaker for it. I, I do wonder if how maybe even both teams played on Saturday, which maybe I'm just trying to make excuses for such a terrible game. They're like they're both out of out of form, out of sorts. Yeah, expected more for both teams this season, but a, a lot of the the criticisms about Queens Park is is how naive they've been, how open they've been, how high the line is. So maybe it was a bit of reset in terms of. Right, well, maybe we need to be not necessarily less gung ho, but almost less ambitious. I, I maybe. noticed. I noticed. Was Charlie Fox on the bench? I noticed he didn't. Yes, it, uh, right, he, okay. he wasn't playing. They went with um, Will Tizard and Alex Bannon. That's right. That's right. They were playing centre back. And, and I, I'm not saying that that, that Charlie Fox is uh, is all to blame for for Queens Park's uh, malaise this season. But they did. Like they didn't concede too many chances. So I suppose 
I suppose maybe both teams could say that there is something to build on after after taking a point. But aye, it was a, it was bereft of anything. I mean, in his post-match interview, Robin Velman said it's the kind of result that will send fans home with a smile on their face. I'm I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there, Robin. You might be grateful with the point. It might have stopped a rot, but you're taking on the worst team in the division at home who are depleted because they because of injury, because they've got a small squad, because of an act of God, for want of a better expression. And you didn't really create much of a chance. You didn't really create any chances against them, just a handful of them. And as for Morton, right, they'll probably be chuffed with the point as well in the circumstances, but they're a poor side. What they tried to do was just get the ball up quickly to George Oakley and Robbie Muirhead and just try and bludgeon their way through. And the only... I, mean, I don't think they'd have shot on target until about an hour into the game. And I think the only the only time that they actually looked like scoring, they had a header off the crossbar and then they came back into play and they was headed off the line again. Other than that, not... Not great, not great. I think I'm not sure that Alan Power and Grant Gillespie's right balance in the middle of the park. I think both players are quite similar. Like Ian Wilson had some nice touches, but again, he's he's the boy that they brought in to play in the middle of the park. They had to field him at right back. Aye, just not not fantastic. But you know, in the circumstance, maybe taking a bigger picture view, both sides, as you say, might be grateful because of how poor they've been. Just oh, sorry, no, beg your pardon. Uh, I just think it wasn't Robin Feldman that said he, he hopes the fans have a smile on their face. It was Doogie Emery that said he hopes the fans have a smile on their face. Right, take, okay. I take that back. So, so Chris, I've done a fouler there. <laughs> I mean, the, the one positive about Morton is that the, I, I think the the loan signing of Tyler French is is a very good one. And for, for two reasons. A, it allows him to play Tyler French, who I think is a very good uh, defender. He was fine. I played fine. And it allows him to not play cut broadfoot. Yes, I, you and I had a discussion during our big preview podcast about the merits of Kirk Broadfoot. Uh, I was favourable. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. I was wrong about that. He hasn't. He hasn't played particularly well since he's since he's joined the Ton. But uh, nevertheless, but I mean that was bad, Sean. Probably the worst part of the day was uh, like thinking that I'd lost my car keys. Absolutely mortifying moment. Was this? Uh, so this is obviously after you've you've consumed your Greggs in the in the car. Went into the game and you and you thought you'd lost your car keys. Aye, so what had happened was <laughs> like I always keep my car keys in my back pocket. Always keep my car keys in my back pocket. Always, always, always keep my car keys in my back pocket. Sounds like you don't. And I, I'm already presuming that not always. Not always. Most of the time, apart from this occasion. What had happened was, it get the, you know, they've got the, the clock behind the goals on either side at Hamden. It got to about 90 minutes. I thought, this is terrible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the traffic here and, and, and get up the road. <laughs> So I was strolling, left my seat, walked walked around, walking towards the, the exit, and I like I put my hand, put my hand in my back pocket like the, the mum in the Asda. You're dun 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 dun. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I was like, fuck, it's not there. My key's not there. And you're thinking, geez, oh man, geez, oh, where is it? So I did trudge back to my seat. Uh and, and there's a boy sitting just a couple of seats because he says, oh, so good you had to come back. You wanted to be here for the finals. I was like, no, I've, I've lost my car keys. I've, I've lost my car keys. He's like, oh. And there's a there's a some people in front of us heard some people behind me heard, and they're all doing that thing where they sort of all like raise their feet up and they're they're looking down and no no what does it look like? See, it's like a wee black clam for a wee uh, for a Vauxhall Corsa. Like no, I'm not seeing. It. I was like fuck them. The worst thing that was going through my head there was two things. One, I'd actually bought food 
as well as the Greg. So I bought stuff from Tesco. I bought stuff from the Greg's. I had milk in there. So I'm thinking, geez, oh man, that's going to be in there overnight. I've wasted money on milk and chicken. The other thing was, I really want to get up the road for the Hamilton Ackies Falkirk <laughs> game. I was like, I'm going to miss this because I'm going to have to uh, get the train from Mount Florida back to Central, then, then get from Central uh, out to my flat. I say, ah, this is, I've made an absolute disaster here. So then when I was, when I was, the families had kind of looked around, couldn't see it. Like I'd kicked some rubbish out of the way, couldn't see it. Spoke to a steward and say, listen, I I've, 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 think I've lost my car keys. And <laughs> me and two stewards like did a sweep <laughs> of, the, of the row. Me and two stewards did a sweep of the row, you know, like, like the stewards do like uh-huh. at the end, of, yep. the end of games. Not there, not there. I was, I was like, geez, oh man, this is, this is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Went and spoke to another steward. And this is when I was speaking to, to Keith McAllister. I went and spoke to another steward and he said, well, go and check lost property. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to have to phone us and come back in tomorrow. I was like, I don't have to come back to, to Hamden on a Sunday. Like, I don't know what the trains are going to be like. It's like, I've, I've walked to Hamden previously. It's about an hour and a half walk. All this stuff going through my head as I was heading towards Cathcart Road. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss uh, Falkirk Ackies. <laughs> this is the whole centerpiece of the weekend. I'm going to miss Falkirk Ackies. <laughs> Then, like, I saw my car, like, in my peripherals. I was walking down past Lesser. I was going to go on to on the Cathcart Road there. And I was thinking, go and just have a look. Go and, go and just have a look in your car. And, and 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 sure enough, I got to the window, my face pressed against it, like Charlie Bucket looking in the <laughs> confectioners. Yes, the car key was there still in its thing. Hallelujah. I, I popped so hard into the car. Sort of cuddled the, the the driving the steering wheel, and then I was it back up the road to watch an absolutely another, another <laughs> terrible game of football. So that was it. I, I thought that my my goodness, this Queens Park Morton game's been absolutely rubbish, but at least I'll get the chance to watch something good when I tune in to to Falkirk Hamilton Ackies. And no, I two matches, zero goals, total waste of a weekend. Do you know? Uh, you know what should have been the giveaway that you didn't have your uh, car keys on you? What? when they put that metal detector over you when you went through your turnstile <laughs> <laughs> and it, it didn't, it didn't bleep that should have been the giveaway you're like oh my well, I should that should bleep I, when, they, when they put it over my backside <laughs> no there was nothing there that's it I, should, I said I'm really sorry I'll need to return to my car <laughs> the worst thing was it was like the family the families around me and, and so on all, all chipping in to try and help and all that and God, God bless them because they, they they all seemed like, like really nice a couple of people Got in touch with me on Twitter afterwards. Said like delighted that you found your your car keys. So that's that's good. I'm I'm delighted to be here to tell the tale. Well, all's well that ends well. Uh, and there's another thing as well. I wanted to just say there was a Queens Park fan I got speaking to on the way in after I'd been patted down uh, after I'd been a full cavity search. Who said where have you been on the lower league podcast? I've missed you. Oh, I didn't say I've missed you, uh, but he said where have you been? And I said I've been away, but I'm back. I'm, I'm back to record. I didn't catch his name. But uh, thank you for listening, sir. And I, I, I hope you were able to make it home quicker than I was. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good story. Thank, thanks for sharing. Yeah, just before we go on to talking about Falkirk Ackies, there's a street talk that Martin Buecher, Queen's Park's director of football, is wanted by Ajax, one of the, the biggest clubs in the continent, to, as, as, uh, as I'm going to assume, some uh, a, a director of football, sporting director, technical director, some of the position that he's in just now. Yeah, it's both... Uh, very surprising and considering what Queen's Park have, have gotten up to over the last two or three years kind of unsurprising in, mm. in, in the same in the same breath I mean he's got a phenomenal re- uh, reputation at AZ Alkmaar I'm sure so that's where he'd have got his name I think that Queen's Park picking him up in the first place would have been a massive coup 
there is, I, I believe he's under a 10-year deal, which is uh, unusually long. I'm sure Ajax can afford to, to pay out to, to buy the rest of his contract. If he does go in, you would imagine if, if Ajax are interested, then, then he will. Uh, I'd be interested to see how that uh, affects the the fact that they obviously have this this plan, I suppose, to recruit young players and then bring them through. I mean, I mean, ultimately they are. It almost feels like they are a youth team with a couple mm. of experienced players. I, I kind of feel like they could they could they could do the same thing, but do it slightly differently. Just have more experienced players and have a handful of young players rather than the opposite. So if if it does come to pass that he leaves for Ajax, it'll be interesting to see if they are still steadfast for going down the same route that they're doing at the moment, which I, I don't know if it's doing them any good or whether they want to, to alter it slightly to a degree. Well, the whole club is effectively built around his grand vision for it. So if he was to go, you either bring in someone that can effectively do the same sort of thing and wants to do the same sort of thing, or you completely change the structure of the club. And, and it d- doesn't feel... Like this, this project, and I'm loath to use that term when talking about football teams, but it feels like this project, you've got to keep on doing what you're doing. I don't think it makes, I mean, Bucher said, I'm sure, that you probably won't see the, <laughs> you probably won't see the, the fruits of our labours here for like another 10 years. Oh. Class, <laughs> that's great, that's great. But I do think that's the case with, with this, this project. It is a, a real long-term a long-term thing that is going to take a lot of time for it really comes to fruition and to jack it in after a couple of years off the back of I mean what a bad 10 months like pretty much since they sold Simon Murray the, the, the performances haven't been too fantastic on the pitch but I, I do think it's, it's worth worth pursuing with this I mean it depends perhaps part of it depends on the on what he has already put in place maybe he has something in place that somebody could step in and essentially Essentially, just pick up the reins and continue with as is. If not, then I, I, I would imagine it would be impossible to continue as is. Yeah, because as I say, you got a. I think Owen Coyle type. Owen Coyle comes back in for a second and just guts it and starts signing all guys who are about like thirty. John Hughes. Oh, oh, could you imagine? Maybe that's the role for John Hughes. Like it could be uh, Queen's Park's new director of football. And I could imagine that actually. Like Queen's Park just do things that are unusual. So yes, I could imagine that. Before we actually, you know, talk about doing things unusual, we'll, we'll flip it because we're going to talk about Falkirk Hackies, but we'll not do that. Would you want to talk about Edinburgh City's new manager yes. in terms of doing things yeah. unusual? This is Michael McIndoe, who has been appointed the new manager of Edinburgh City. He's replaced Alan Mabry. Michael McIndoe had a fairly successful career in the English lower leagues, was a two-time Scotland B-cap. He joins on a three-year contract, last in charge of Gretna 2008. He was there for about seven months mm-hmm. until April this year, did relatively well. Sean, what's your thoughts on Michael McIndoe pitching up at Meadowbank? So I, I have to say, I, I didn't know that there was such a a, a kind of farrago about McIndoe joining uh, Gretna 2008. I, that had completely passed me by. Probably and what I wanted. Probably what yes, I wanted. I, I get the impression that that, that is the case. With that in mind, I am surprised that I suppose he wants to work further up the the, the football pyramid. However, well, I, I, I suppose though this is the opportunity to explain yeah, about of course. Michael McIndoe's background, and this is all public knowledge as well. This is this isn't just street talk that Sean and I are repeating. But uh, Michael McIndoe, alleged fraudster, accused of operating a huge Ponzi scheme, left a lot of people out of pocket 
Jimmy Bullard, for instance, who's well known from his time at Wigan and going on like I'm celebrity to get him out of here, he lost six hundred thousand pounds in the scheme. And a former teammate described McIndoe as the most hated man in football. And there's a really interesting article on the Athletic. This was written when he was a manager Greta 2008. I think this was written last year. Yes, when he joined ago. when he when he joined Gretna. Yeah, so it was Daniel Taylor that wrote it, who of course made his name at the Guardian, very good, good journalist, and he wanted to go to a Gretna match to to maybe like find out all the fuss about, it, maybe even get an interview with Michael McIndoe, but Michael McIndoe just will not talk to the press. He, that was one thing at Gretna. He he allowed his assistant to do all the work uh, to to do it, feel his media obligations. And there's a there's a, a quote that I wanted to read out from from Daniel Taylor's article. This is it. Teammates tell the story at one of his former clubs about how McIndoe used to take a briefcase into the dressing room and, having given her alcohol, presented the impression that he was carrying important documents about property and investment. One day, the other players forced to open. Inside, there was a pencil and a calculator. Should probably say as well, though, that, that New Scotland Yard's fraud investigation into him was dropped about three or four years ago. Michael McIndoe says that he has done nothing wrong, but nevertheless, it just feels... Very left field. I think that's if you if you're trying to be as euphemistically as possible, this is, is a very left field appointment from Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, I know McIndoe says that he just received loans from players, and it wasn't a a, a kind of Ponzi scheme. Okay, I, I mean, fair enough. I, I I don't really understand it from. Well, I suppose I do understand it from Edinburgh's point of view because they're desperate. Uh, they they do like they're in a. a I know they're only six points behind Annan. They look like they will potentially be cut adrift, certainly that performance against Kelty at the weekend. Yeah, terrible. It wasn't any better than under Alan Mabry. If anything, it looked considerably worse. So they are in a, a very, very precarious position. And McIndoe, certainly his record at Gretna, they won more games during his time there than they'd won in the three previous seasons put together. I will caveat that with, that's not because he won lots of games. It's just that they'd won so few games the, the three seasons previous. However, he, he was a it was a success, I, I suppose, to, to to a degree. But bearing in mind, there will be a, you would imagine a, an element of scrutiny that the club will come under. Macindo mm-hmm. clearly doesn't want to didn't even want to speak to the in-house media team at Gretna and, and made it quite clear he didn't want to speak to the media in, in general. He will come under closer scrutiny. And I, I know there's a thing well, it's Edinburgh, so you might go under the radar. I don't think that will be the case. I don't think the SPFL, will be the case. It's, it's, it's now, you might have got away with that at Gretna, but it's the SPFL, and even though Edinburgh are, are, are a relatively small club to that, it's it be, that becomes like sort of like like any time there's a managerial appointment, that's the sort of thing that becomes it goes on like the BBC website, for instance, it goes on the STV website, and even on on Pie and Bovril, you're seeing some comments from the Edinburgh supporters saying like like when you Google his name. It's sort of like the, there's an intake of breath. Your your eyebrows, I think mm-hmm. one person said, your eyebrows sort of go like disappear off your face because they've raised that far. I, I mean, I, I as I said, or I, I suppose us as a good example. I, I didn't know anything about it until until I was appointed, and I, and, I, and I had to Google it. The the I think the first four or five uh, kind of Google results are all about that, and uh, I think the fifth was about the fact that he didn't pay uh, thirty glamour models for an appearance at a at a nightclub but there's, there's a lot of people who are owed uh, a lot of money by, by Michael McIndoe a lot of people plus 30 no there are people as well <laughs> I think that there's like obviously like 
when you've got that that hanging over you, people will will be automatically suspicious. Now, there's 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 still space for people who have done wrong to 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 come and work in Scottish film. Looking at like David Martindale is a perfect example of it. I think David Martindale is the the a, a exemplar for the power of rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as he was caught out, he's like holds his hands up. Like pleads guilty to it, goes to prison. But then this when he's in he's in prison, he's, he does an open university degree in project management. And it's, it's it's a real it's a real good story, like like David Martindale's story. I think that i if if someone like that got involved with Stennis Muir, I would be very, very worried. And because it's because further down the food chain, there's less eyeballs on it, there's less scrutiny. And if there might not necessarily be the fan base to demand change or if anything if anything untoward happens. So I'd be I'd be concerned uh, about that. You know, something he 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 might turn out to be an absolutely fantastic manager. He might be able to to uh, resuscitate Edinburgh's season. Based on what we've seen so far, I mean, there are only six points adrift. I mean, we're only at three quarters. So there's three quarters of the season left to go. So there's still plenty of time to do it. I, I just wonder, like, why why he went to Edinburgh? Why Edinburgh have have embraced him I don't know if there's going to if he's bringing an outside investment or whatever I I, I don't know but it just seems like for, for, for Edinburgh why would you want to go to someone that's, that's perhaps doesn't have the, the best reputation I mean, I mean I there's a good podcast sorry there's just, there's a good podcast that, that Craig Fowler and Ali Moncrief record Ali Moncrief's uh, Edinburgh City fan I think he's closely involved with the club as well I think he like worked really hard yeah. like uh, over the over the summer to, to effectively ensure the club were, were still kept afloat. A really, a really interesting podcast. Ali's always good when he when, when he's on it. Although he, he, apparently you get it quite tight in their their group chat. You call I it, yeah, that I, five cunt. Yeah, I, no, no, it wasn't that. It was uh, that five idiot. As uh, oh as, right, okay, as sorry. Mentioned. So an 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 an, an 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 ableist slur instead of the c word. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what's worse. I don't, I don't know what's worse. But nevertheless, it's. It's um, that's that's a really good podcast, and it's um, I can't remember, I can't remember the point I was going to make. Sean, your ableism is uh, really <laughs> me there. <laughs> but I, it's it's like it's like that. But if you've got good people involved, how how did he how did he get involved with with Edinburgh? That's the sort of the questions I'd I'd, I'd like to ask. But given the fact that he doesn't seem interested in doing any media work, I suppose these are questions we'll never get a proper answer to. I mean, I understand it more from his perspective because I, I did, I had a look at the some of the articles when he left Gretna in terms of if there was any comments from from him about why that why that happened. And the, the comments seem to be that he wanted to work higher up the higher up the, the pyramid. So it's obviously something that he that he is keen to do, which I suppose I find surprising for somebody who who doesn't want to speak to the media at all. But we'll see how that how that transpires. I am surprised from an Edinburgh perspective that, I mean, I, I don't know how many people were interested. I, I, I think Ali on the podcast suggests that they already had somebody in mind rather than that's, rather than rather than anybody applying. That's what he said. So I think that that's was what unusual. I was going to say they had accepted after. I think it was after Gary Naismith had left the club. They had touted for applications, and that's how Alan Maybury got the job. But for this one, it was just a case of Maybury's out, and I, I, I don't know if if the, the timing of that. Now that that Macindo's come in, if perhaps Maybury because because the thing is that they had drawn two matches in a row, very unfortunate not to have beaten Cove Rangers. That was like yep. a last minute own goal mm-hmm. that that prevented that, and they they certainly looked a lot better like against Allo Athletic the previous mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. So that the, they did give the impression that a corner had been turned. So I think that that was unusual to see. Oh, Alan Maybury's away up the road. 
And then, then perhaps with McIndoe coming in without, uh, I don't, I don't know if it was all prearranged. I don't know. This is just, this is just me. Uh, just I mean, yes and no in terms of the, thoughts. in terms of the timing. I agree in terms of the, the performances uh, that they did look uh, slightly better. Eleven defeats in thirteen this season, and two draws. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's sackable. Yes, aye, that, no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and certainly Mark Kerr didn't get any assistant uh, interim manager bounce. At the at the weekend there, so who knows? It'll be certainly a team to a team to keep an eye on um, Edinburgh City over the rest of the season, and a team that we on regional BBC Television had told everyone to keep an eye on was Falkirk FC and their game against Hamilton Ackies. It's the biggest <laughs> game in the SPFL so far this season. This is going to be an absolute humdinger. Get back in the house for half past five. Get BBC Albon, and holy fuck, this game was absolutely shocking. You spoke, Sean, about the length of the highlights for Queen's Park versus Greenock Morton. <laughs> Falkirk TV, generally very good highlights package. They could only eke out three and a half minutes for this. The video itself, the video itself is four minutes 20, but there's time at the start of the players coming on and the graphics coming up with the team lines and a bit at the end with handshakes. They're really it's slim pickings. This was such a disappointment. Such ah, a disappointment. It, it was awful. The, the, there were points in the game where... I suppose both teams got themselves into decent positions. Falkirk more in the, the first half, Hamilton more in the, the second half. In terms of like decision making or final deliveries, it was yes. it was awful. It was absolutely atrocious. And and I know that like the like the conditions maybe come into it or like maybe like I know both teams were, were hoping for a win, but they were kind of like kind of feeling each other out, I suppose, for the for the majority of the game. It just it just never got started almost. I really wish I had something to add to that, but you summed up so well. It was, it was, it was cagey. That's the that if you if you want to to be polite about it, it was a, it was a cagey game of football with, with with two teams that were just really like see, it was a boxing match. It would just be like I don't think really anyone threw a punch. It would just sort of get just just two big lumbering boys just just wandering around the ring, and the the guys that you would you would look to like particularly forward like Callum Morrison is in absolutely phenomenal form at the moment. You're looking for him to get something going. Alfie Aguiman to get something going. They never did. Ross McKeever was was really starved of service. Uh, like Kevin O'Hara, Ewan Henderson, guys that you think might, might spark up for, for Hamilton. It didn't really happen. It was just, aye, just 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 flat. And and it's one of those ones, like watching it at the time, like to think of like, because I knew we were going to be talking about it, as you and I had discussed this on the Saturday morning, the, 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 the elements that we were going to discuss. Like looking at it to try and eke out some semblance of discussion, and there really isn't anything to. There really isn't anything. There might be again similar to Wraith Rovers United. They might both have been happy with a point, but for slightly different Aye. reasons. I do think that John Rankin probably set himself up for a point. So they're away from home against the title rivals. He's probably fine with, with that. And John McGlynn is probably okay with a point because they didn't play very well. Like we, we've we've spoken about the fact that that Falkirk have got far better. I think have got far better options up front than yeah than Hamilton. It, it didn't really look like that on the day. But again, they didn't lose any ground. They're still top of the league. John McGlynn is probably is probably happy with that. If there's yeah, if there's to be anything to be concerned about, it might be something that we've discussed about John McGlynn a few times in terms not of not being his, able to beat the big teams. Well, that and he's just so welded to this formation. Now. Yeah, that's always two things. Say that, then, yeah. when he was a Rovers manager in terms of this four-two-three-one, and I, 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 it's very much easier said than done. But what Hamilton were very good at is Callum Morrison 
It's been banging form this season. They nullified him. Aguiman can be hot and cold. Whether they nullified him or he's just had an off day, I'm not sure. Brad Spencer didn't really have any room. And because of all of that, Ross McKeever didn't really get any service. Yeah. And McGlynn wasn't really able to, to, to change that in any shape or form, partly because there wasn't a huge amount of options on the bench. I, I, I totally get that. But if there's, a, if there's a wee bit of a concern from a, a Falkirk perspective, that might be it. Yeah, well, the, the, that was a saying that, that I thought you were going to say about Falkirk's inability to win the big games. That was what defined last season. They didn't mm-hmm. beat Dunfermline across the four matches, two draws and two defeats. And while a draw at Aki sort of keeps things neck and neck, there's no change at the top of the table there. It just sort of feeds into that that you're going to have to win one of these games. Like, I mean, they're probably not going to meet each other till I'm going to think about December, mm-hmm. Christmas time, maybe yep. when the, the next time the sides meet each other again. And these are the games that, that you really need to win because on the evidence that we've seen so far, both teams are capable of playing some really, really good football. We've seen that from Falkirk, like when they smashed Kelty Open five-one, when they, they absolutely decimated Annan. They're also capable of digging in and getting results. We saw that against Montrose, where, where Callum Morrison pulls this thunderbolt out yep. of nowhere. The goal, definitely the goal of the season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. Then you look at Hamilton. Hamilton are capable of smashing teams. They did it to Annan Athletic on the Friday the, the, last week. They beat them 5-0. But also capable of going the distance and, and using, like the, I don't know if it's their full-time advantage, just a, a good attitude amongst the players. But they're capable of going the distance and, and scoring late goals. So... Just you wonder. I think that for if I was there's more question marks here about Falkirk than there are about Hamilton for for me. I no, I I agree. Uh, I almost felt like they were just kicking the can down the road a bit. Yeah, like maybe until the next uh, Hamilton Falkirk game. I, I suppose injuries or suspensions can can come into play, so maybe some of them will start to drop uh, more points against uh, the other teams. But no, I, again, a bit, I suppose similar to to Wraith and United, that didn't necessarily tell us too much about how the, the season will pan out other than it's going to be pretty close at the top of the table and, and probably closer than I anticipated uh, before the season began I thought Scott Martin had a good game this is the game that suited him where, where you can just you can just scrap and you can just win balls I'm sure there was one bit this actually made it to the highlights where, where Brad Spencer's on a dribble and he just comes and just shoves him out of the way and puts the team on the attack uh, again, so he he had a good game. Also, a really good player, Scott Martin. Always uh, think he's think he's uh, quite underrated. I'm I'm surprised that he's still playing at Hamilton. I thought he could have done a job for say a Wraith Rovers or a Morton or yeah. someone like that. But but nevertheless, that's uh, certainly Hamilton Aki's gain is Wraith. I've done that the wrong way around. Wraith Rovers losses at Hamilton Aki's gain. Not even that Wraith Rovers win for me. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. Do you know the only other thing I would I would maybe mention that I was thinking about on Saturday night, and I did I did notice on Sunday or Monday or whenever I read it. Uh, a comment on Pine Bovril that was actually the opposite of what I was thinking. Uh, I remember last season and for almost the entirety of the season, certainly the last second half of the season, if not more, I was absolutely adamant that two teams would get promoted from League One. Mm. Absolutely adamant. But that was more to do with, well, obviously the quality of the Fairman, the quality of Falkirk at the point, at that points last season, and Airdrie ultimately were doing very well. Eventually got promotion. I suppose it was more to do with the tripe at the bottom of the, the championship. Cove were abysmal. Hamilton were, were tragic last season and even our growth were, were, were pretty wretched. And I, I, I did anticipate that whoever finished second bottom of the championship would go down. Looking at that and, and based on the fact I've seen, I think everybody, not quite everybody in the flesh in the, in the championship, but I, I'm not quite so sure. Like, let's say it's a... Uh, 
a Morton or a Queen's Park or an Air United that, that finished ninth. I, I think if it is Hamilton or Falkirk, I wouldn't necessarily think that it's definitely going to be two teams uh, coming up this season. So certainly that that whoever's going to be the champion, I, I think it's going to be vital because I'm not sure, I'm certainly not certain that anybody else is going to be coming up for League One. Going by, I mean, it's only one game. When you actually see these teams in the flesh, how bad they are at the bottom of the championship, and there is credence to think that an effervescent side that have had a good season or come into the match full of confidence could do a number on them. Like right now, if uh, you put pitted Falkirk against Greenock Morton, I'd fancy Falkirk to, to absolutely do them. Falkirk are playing Queen's Park at the at the weekend there in the in the Challenge Cup. I'd fancy Falkirk to to stick a couple past them. Be, be, be interesting to see. Be interesting to see because obviously it's very easy to get caught up in the fact that one team's doing well and one team isn't. But there's a reason why the divisions exist because one team ultimately is better than than the other. And Queen's Park and Morton, you know, Morton, just using these as an example, but Queen's Park, I think they've got the capacity to get better. I do think they, they will get better as the season goes on. And I think so will Morton as well. I don't, but, but then again, that means somebody's got to get worse and you're not necessarily seeing any examples. I'm kind of going off on a, on a, a big wild tangent here. Um, I don't want to make any calls about promotion or relegation, but I think you could be right. I think if you if you want to get out of the chat, you want to get out of League One this season, you're going to have to win it outright. I, I suppose the comparison is last season. I was like, my goodness, Airdrie seemed quite good, and then they played Hamilton, and they looked stinking. And actually, across the 180, sorry, 210 minutes and uh, and then penalties, Hamilton were a wee bit unlucky over the piece to to to, to go down. And I just don't see anybody that is that poor in the in the Championship this time around. So, I I, I just think it is absolutely key, as, as I suppose it always is, but maybe more so in terms of who wins League One and, and them coming up, because I think it'll be much more difficult for the second, third, fourth place team to, to get promotion this time around. you think the Spartans can get promotion from League Two? Based on what I've seen this season, it's, it's not impossible. Because they turned in a very, a, a lot of fun this match, where, where they beat Sonar. 3-4 because uh, I mean kind of put this episode I don't really have a lot of notes for this this one Sean because we were discussing on as we mentioned on the Saturday the, the games that we'd be talking about we thought well three games two goals that's shit <laughs> the discussion overall has been, been shit there'll be people listening to this thinking wow you guys normally talk about great moments this is this is shit so as a bonus we thought we'd very briefly touch on Stranraer 3 the Spartans 4 I was like knockabout encounter this match that it looked at one point like it was heading for a, a draw but then Blair Henderson scores an absolute cracker right at the end to to win the match um, 4-3 for uh, what's Spartan's nickname? The Spartan oh, I don't know because Spartan sounds like the nickname the BEI but anyway the, the Spartans the Spartans Blair Henderson scored for the Spartans and if there is any commentary team that you want to give an overview of an absolute slobber knocker it is very much the Stranraer TV team an incredible, incredible summary. I loved it. Brian the Body Martin. I was thinking earlier, Sean, that if you were a student, because I'm, I'm sure I was, I've, I've shared the story about where I was told my time at, at commentating on Stennis Mayor, she listen, you've got to tone it down a wee bit because the players get these videos and they're not quite happy with they're getting picked apart like that. I'm going to imagine that, that the snarpers will watch back the highlights and getting absolutely <laughs> torn to shreds for 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 doing, doing making incorrect decisions I, I love the guy like every time podcast I say it sounds like I'm being critical I'm not I absolutely adore Brian Martin's commentary but I mean he was they, I mean, him and Lawrence Nelson they, they did not hold back on this one 
What was the, the who was it that made the for, for Spartans winner? The bear in mind, like Strenrad, I've, I've come back from three one down. They've made it three three. They they then go four three down. Who was it that was trying to usher it out of play but made a mistake? Oh, was it was it was it was he Blair Snedden? Was it Sean McIntosh? Was any of the boys that were playing fullback Dolan? for them? Was it Dolan? Nah. Anyway, but that's anyway, regardless, think... like the the fact that his commentary was, "Oh, let it go, son. What are you doing that for?" But like, and I think because I was trying to ask myself, like we've, like we watch all these highlights packages, and there are commentators who can be. Jingoistic isn't the term, or myopic isn't necessarily the right word. But Jingoistic. There's, <laughs> there's people who are clearly all for their club, and that's absolutely fine. And and sometimes they can they can be irritating. But I, I don't find Shinmar's commentary no. irritating at all. It, I, I think I would enjoy watching a game sat next to them, but maybe part of that is because they don't pander to their own players. Maybe yeah, part of that. A, maybe I, I don't I mean, know. I suppose if you want to compare it to the commentary from... Edinburgh City against Montrose, where they where they were beating five two, and the commentator was like saying, "Oh, or you know, I mean, he kind of lost it on himself when he when he forgot to how many goals that Montrose had scored, <laughs> but just like super positive in the wake of a five two win, five two defeat, even super positive in the wake of this. Whereas like like Strenard, I mean, <laughs> there was a re- the funniest bit for me. I properly laughed out loud. This is right at the end of the first half. Tremendous. Like they keep saying, they, they keep on saying like, "Oh, the referee's got got to blow his whistle." I remember Brian Martin says like a, I keep saying this the referee's got to blow his whistle and then straight away <laughs> Spartans got the park is it Reese Armstrong gets slipped in and, and shoots uh, right before the halftime whistle they've been they've wanting the match finished and then he goes and scores I, I don't know if you were the same as me so I when I, when I so I always go to this from our highlights first <laughs> I, just, I just always enjoy them and I've got to say as well man that the highlights package itself that's excellent like Excellent. Yep. I know it's like the, the guys that put together, George Frank, who is a massive help to you and I when we're doing our, our, our preview podcast, the, the, the love and care that goes into that. See just the first like, because when you see it's like 15 minutes, you think, geez, oh man, that's, that's mm-hmm. a lot. To be fair, it's a seven, the seven goals in the match. So there's a yeah. lot to cover. But just the scene setting in terms of who's dropped out for Strenar, who's coming mm-hmm. in, a little bit of statistics, and then a wee bit of information about yeah. the Spartans. Just that love and attention like goes such a long way. Such a long way. This is and it's, it's, it's the same for it's same for same for the other teams that pulled together the highlights. I think that all the highlights packages that we've watched, they're all really, really good stuff. But but Strenrar's just that that extra layer of production there. It just kicks it kicks yeah. it on. But you're right in terms of they they were mentioned several times that well, it must be half time now. Now I when I clicked on these highlights, I didn't know how the scoring went. I didn't know. I knew how it finished. I didn't know how the how the scoring was was, was kind of how it, who scored first and, and when, like the minutes that they scored in. So at this point, it's one all. It's the forty fifth minute, and they're, they're making it clear that they are surprised that the game is still going on. And then Stranraer get a, a a corner, but they'd already mentioned twice now that they were amazed that the the first half is still continuing. And immediately, my brain goes, "I'd love it if Spartans scored here." <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the corner comes to nothing and then suddenly Spartans uh, are on the counter I, the, I I would imagine that there were Spartans fans in Steel Park who reacted uh, less ex- expressively than myself when that second right. goal was just slipped in and in the commentary oh my dear oh my dear oh my dear pause oh my dear dear <laughs> aye great stuff great stuff there's there was things in Stranraer's performance that I quite liked, and, and one of the things, obviously, 
having watched the guy for two years, thought Tam Orr took his goal really yep. well. And and you got you saw one of the reasons that I quite what, what made you appreciate how good a goal is is because of the quality of the highlights package. You mm-hmm. see when I think it's um, James Dolan's working the ball down. I think it was James Dolan yep, works the ball was, down yeah. the left. Really, really good run. Really good. Does well to make the space for himself. But you can see when he puts that ball into the left, James Cragen switches off for like a fraction of a second, and there's Tam Orr comes steaming in at the back post. And I actually think that going by the highlights, he had a couple of really nice touches. And when he doesn't need to think about his stuff. You can see how how well he does. And I think that he's he's had quite a good start. He's got about four or five goals for the season for Stranraer. I think that's just because they're just using him to get balls into him just where he can hit. He's an instinctive finisher. But then you also see like the 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 the, the, the bad stuff that 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 in this Stranraer team and perhaps naivety. I thought it was a wee bit overboard to to go in hard on the boy for just not letting the ball go out of play because it's the you don't know if the ball is going to stick. He had the ball right in his feet. He's a better judge than than, than folks in the stand if the ball is going to run out of play or, or if it's going to go. But it's a natural thing to do is want to hook up the park. It didn't work. Who's tr- in the midfields tracking Blair Henderson or, or coming in to, to, to cover? Because that's the bit there. I mean, it's a, a really, really good finish from Henderson, like just to, to sweep it into the net like that. But the defence was really badly exposed there. And I think it's not just the boy failing to get up the part, but just like structurally they looked all over the place. And Scott Agnew really seems like he's got a wee bit of work to do because that's at four consecutive defeats. Like prior to that, like they, when they lost 5-0 at Stennis Muir, that was his first league defeat as manager there. Prior to him coming in, they did a, a strong, like I think three games undefeated, really positive start to the season. But now it's really fallen off a cliff and they're the, the, in the worst form in, in the division. Yeah, I know they have. Uh, I know they have quite a young squad. I know they've got injuries at, at, at this moment in time. I, I suppose, as much as I didn't necessarily expect them to be in trouble, I also didn't expect them to to maybe trouble the the, the top four. So maybe they mm-hmm. are ultimately at this moment in time where where I expected them to be. I I, I think they will improve. I, I suspect they'll end up being at a mid table or, or lower mid table. But as much as they're in poor form at the moment, I don't think they'll get sucked in at the bottom. Yeah, and, and and fair play to the Spartans as well for 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 still still doing well. They, they've I know you guys spoke about them on on last week's podcast. I don't really want to to repeat any points that you've made, but to to come into the division with largely the same group of players because the they haven't. I think only five players came into the club over the summer, and and Pete, uh, Paul Watson, Peter Watson, Paul Watson, Paul Watson, who's Peter Watson used to play for Annan. Sorry. Aye, but Paul Watson coming in wasn't on the bench there. He came in laterally. Danny Denham, I think that was his first start of the season, or second start of the season. Uh, certainly he hasn't featured much. It's only really Craig and, and Ayrton Sonker, the players that have, that have played on a regular basis. So effectively, it's the same group of players. And they, 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 they're doing well. Whether or not you'll see what happened with Bonnie Rig when all that enthusiasm and it becomes like a, a slog over the course of the campaign where they, they, they topple down the table... But nevertheless, there's a lot to a lot to be positive about so far. They've been a, a good, solid addition to the to the league. Yeah, I do. I do think they play. I do think they play much better football than 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 Bonnerig did or, or Bonnerig do. Oh, Bonnerig! Like Bonnerig are the yeah. Like to to having having seen them there, like like watching them at New Dundas Park, it's, it can be effective. But my God, I would not want to go and watch that kind of football every week. It's, it's attritional, it's brutal, and it's it's aye, not great. And it, the only other thing I was going to say about Spartans is, as much as the as the game finished four three, and it sounds like it, it might have been on a knife edge. When you watch the the highlights package, they probably could have won by like by more. I, I thought they were 
I thought they were thoroughly deserved winners. So I, I'd, I'd now, from thinking that, again, they might have enough about them to finish seventh, sixth, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they, they're challenging in the, the top four places this season. Yeah, you're kind of waiting, though, for four for Athletic and he's five to get their act together. I think that the top three is going to be Peterhead. Peterhead have started the season a lot better than mm-hmm. anticipated. I, I'm going to put that down to thinking they were just such a basket case last term coming down. It would just be a season of consolidation and getting like a nice mid-table finish would be good for them. Having, I think McAllister and Shanks have formed a really, really strong partnership together. They look like they're, they're, they're really going to have a successful season. Dumbarton, always one defeat away from wanting Stephen Farrell uh, like hung from the, the the top of the Dumbarton <laughs> Rock. But like they were, I think they... A, a, a really good win over over Clyde at the weekend, and Stennis Muir have had a, a good start to the season after the, 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 their eight matches. So I think there's a space available. Teams, there, there is a space, space available. available, space available. I think it's well, aye, and the Spart. I think the Spartans have as good a chance of the likes of Porfa East mm-hmm. Fife. But who, who knows? Who knows? It's been a been a good season so far. I like it when it's like when you kind of call it. That's probably one of the things about sticking your balls out in the line is that people will, will make fun of your balls. But I I don't mind I, I don't mind doing it. That's part of the fun. That's part of the fun. That's why we do it, Sean. That's why we do it. People make fun of your balls. Well, well, you know what I mean. Not literally, just just your opinion on things. No, I know what you mean. I I I was getting a, a real hard time when the Rovers lost to Airdrie uh, uh, online. A couple of Airdrie fans got in contact to. Uh, Say get that right up here because I, I said Airdrie would struggle this season. I, I thought it was a, a reasonable point to make. I thought they would struggle. It's, it's like I, I genuinely don't care. The only team that I want to see do well is Stenhouse Muir Football Club, and I maybe have a laugh if like like Falkirk struggle. But I mean Falkirk, I've had it for like like five years, like laughing at Falkirk. You know what I mean? It will still be funny. It won't ever be as funny as the cracks and big sexy when, when <laughs> they, they just needed what was like a point out their last like six games to finish in the playoffs and ended up like. Like, but that was during the COVID period so a lot of the stuff in there doesn't count but no, no as long as Stennis Muir are doing well that is ultimately the most important thing and it's quite laughed at, like, quite funny to see teams that you don't like slipping up but that's the most important thing if I've said like a team that are going to struggle this season turn out to do well I do not care I honestly honest, I honestly do not care but yeah if you want to if you want to have a crack at guys like Sean guys who is putting his balls out there you know then <laughs> By all means, you know where to find them at Sean M on on Twitter. Always happy to get in touch with you. Is there anything else to be said about the Scottish lower leagues? I don't think so. I think we've we've covered the the, the hottest topics. I think we have as well. I think that was, that was good fun, Sean. Good fun. Good to get the lower league podcast on Thursdays back in an even keel. I think that's the most important thing than anything else. I, I, th- I think the listeners are the are the, are the happy ones here. Yeah, they'll they'll be like, my goodness, that's, that that player does play for that club. Wow, thank thank God. <laughs> but there's we're not going to record the Patreon because Sean and I uh, we've got an episode of a view from the terrace to to prepare for, so that's going to take up the the, the rest of the evening. But although Sean and I aren't doing a, a Patreon, there's tons of stuff that that's that's on there. Like, like I mentioned there, the one with Ali Moncrief on the Patreon account. If you don't subscribe to it, go and do it because it's a great listen and there's tons of good stuff in there. There's uh, Fowler and Amy Canavan talked about the SWPL. There's on the fence sort of stuff. So even even if that doesn't sound like it's for you, there will be something there. This is the most prolific podcast in the business. I'm going to assume it's the most prolific podcast in the business. I don't subscribe to any other football podcasts. Me neither, but I, I would agree with you. I, I can't imagine somebody else churns out a podcast a day. Yes, exactly. 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 Uh, but nevertheless... 
if you're going to a game this weekend, uh, if you've got a Challenge Cup match, if you're if you're watching Scotland uh, tonight, enjoy yourself. Please do so respectfully. Do not walk into a Spanish restaurant and uh, chuck a steam tray of paella about because you think it'll be funny because it won't be. Treat these people with respect. <laughs> a steam tray of paella. I don't know what these things. I just like walking away and just like fucking yep, yeah, Rodri and and chucking a, a steam tray around. That sounds very disrespectful. It does, and that, see, that's what I'm calling for, Sean. I'm calling for more respect <laughs> in the game. More respect. Well, let's hope we get it. Let, let's hope we get it. Let's hope the steam trays in the Spanish restaurants around Scotland remain intact <laughs> over the over the weekend. And on that note. Uh, Sean, absolute pleasure as always. No worries, thank you. Take care. Take care, we will speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.